Everyone knows how to play poker. 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 But do you know how to play poker well? Well, get ready to talk poker strategy with the people who run the games. Hear interviews with the stars. Get information on when to play, where to play, and how to play better poker. 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 This is Poker Action Live, a weekly poker show with your hosts Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez. How's everybody doing out there in poker world? Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez with another edition of Poker Action Line today. Lots of big news has come out over the last uh, few days, including uh, some big results from the U.S. Poker Open, some big local events, and uh, I'm happy to say that some of the friends we've made over the years doing very well. Uh, Maurice Hawkins won the Palm Beach tournament. I'll get into that. Jonathan Little running very deep in one of his tournaments, Chance Corneth is uh, doing, it just picked up a win on the uh, Mid-States Poker Tour. And uh, these are all people we've had and interviewed on the show. You can find a lot of these interviews if you look back on our website, PokerActionLine.com. Click on the uh, yellow box on the front page and it has an archive of all our shows. So you can go back and listen to some of these people that we've had on the show and ho- hopefully have them again soon. But uh, lots of news, including the schedule for the World Series of Poker. We'll talk about that with my good friend Joe Rodriguez. Uh, back in action down here in South Florida, uh, running the uh, Casino Miami Highlight Room. And uh, you said you had a big tournament last week, Joe. Uh, kind of running through June here and looking forward to the next one coming up. But uh, things going pretty well down there for you from what I hear. Yeah, you know, we've brought up the numbers a little bit. And uh, thank you for saying that it's a big tournament, but it's not. But it's big for us. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's a fun tournament. It's a $5,000 guarantee. We've not only met our guarantee every every time out, but uh, all but one have, have gotten more than the guarantee. And uh, it's a fun little tournament, you know. And uh, we average around... 50 people in it uh we've had as many as 66 and uh you know it, it's it, it plays a little i don't want to say it's a turbo but 15 minute blinds but uh like i said it's uh for a 60 dollar entry 5,000 guarantee 2,500 for first place uh the people actually enjoying it you know immensely and our next one is scheduled for july 18th Sounds good. Uh, we will talk a little bit about poker dealers. Uh, Joe, of course, uh, trained uh, hundreds of dealers over the years and uh, has uh, managed them in his uh, different stints at uh, Miami and Dania and some of the other places he's worked at. So um, a lot of, uh, well, I want to say near and dear to his heart, a lot of them. And uh he looks out for them. Uh, one of the things uh, we didn't get to last week, I was going to mention this, and we want to talk about it when we have Ralph Brand on. But uh, I guess we'll start here uh, before we get to the World Series of Poker stuff, Joe. And you have to protect your dealers in ways sometimes against the players who are not always happy uh, with when they see people tipping the dealers. And uh, the, the one I read was by uh, uh, Matt Stout's girlfriend or his wife, I believe now, uh, Brittany. Uh, is a dealer out in Vegas, and she brought it up on Twitter that at her table, uh, a guy flipped her a couple of uh, dollar chips, and uh, someone else at the table said, you don't have to tip $2. One is plenty. And the yeah. she was furious, and and, so uh, and you said that, that you would even consider throwing someone like that out of the room. Uh, yes, actually, I have threatened – multiple people over my years as manager of throwing them out if they opened their mouths again. And I actually did throw one guy out because I had warned him the day before. And he goes, what, I don't get one warning? And I told him you had it yesterday. And, you know, <laughs> those people that say that, we, are, we have a name for them in the industry. Uh, they're assholes. And, um, you know, Works in a lot you know, of different businesses, right? Yeah, that's, that's what we call them. Uh, you know, these are... For the most part, these are just complete morons that are just so miserable with their own lives that they want to, you know, pay this forward. Some of them are upset with a dealer because a dealer may have made a mistake that cost them a pot. And, you know, I've I've spoken to dealers, you know, most dealers at one time or another, especially within that first six months of dealing, you know, you're going to make mistakes. You're human. You know, the the idea is obviously as it is in any other job, Dave, you know, make it once and learn from it and don't do it again. Right. You know, and I've had to apologize, but, you know, it gets real personal. These people think it's personal. 
you know, when a dealer makes a mistake and uh, some of them think they've got, you know, uh, the, the, the right of way to say whatever they want to a dealer, some of them, you know, will answer back. I was known to do that when in my dealing days, you know. Um, so they they start talking about that. There's a, I don't want to mention him by name, but there's a player here that everybody knows. He's interviewed me on his Facebook page, and he had a beef in Hialeah, and I haven't responded to it because, you know, everybody's going to know what it is. But the next time I see him in person, I'm going to look at him um, let me preface this by saying that he's a huge Trump fan, so this ought to give you an idea of the conspiracy. And, you know, it, it's gotten to the point where it upset me that I actually blocked him for, for like two months because I just didn't want to hear his rhetoric about Trump and also the, the bullshit that he was spreading about dealers right. and everything else. And, you know, I, on a personal basis, I think he's a real nice guy. And I want to ask him, I go, you know, is this you just trying to get a rise out of people? Or, or, or did I miss, did I misread you as a person? And I haven't had that chance to tell him that, you know. Well, but uh, let you me, know, let me... yeah, you get upset with that, Dave. You know, yeah, and, and it sure. really sucks. And I tell him, listen, you don't want to tip somebody, That's you don't have business. to. That's your right. But you don't have a right to tell anybody else what to do. Well, let me ask you this. Uh, you're not going to be standing by every table when things like this happen. Uh, obviously, the dealers have to come to you and complain about it if you're going to be able to do anything. Uh, are most of them willing to do that? Or is do a lot of them just say, hey, I'm not going to bother. You know, I'm, I don't want to upset <laughs> this guy off for later. What's, what's basically the response of the dealers uh, when things like this happen? I I'm be willing to wager a month's salary that 99% of them are going to say something. <laughs> if they don't say it to the player, they are granted. You know, um, the boss isn't always around, but that's what supervisors are there for. Right. Or a shift manager, you know. And, uh, you know, you immediately call the floor. Again, if you have a nice enough table, um, the, the great thing is if you're a nice dealer and you're catching a lot of crap, uh, you'd be surprised, Dave, how much the rest of the players at the table who normally don't want to get involved, you know, they'll they'll come up to me going, hey, I'm thinking this is going on, but hey, I'm not going to tell you who it is. And I'm going, how can I fix a problem if I don't know who the person's making the mistakes are? Um, so sometimes it's wonderful as a dealer when the players, you know, stand up for you. And right. I've seen that happen countless times, you know. Um but again, if that person is a, a real bully, um, in, in local rooms like ours here, Dave, and you know Vegas has a lot of, you know, obviously uh, tourists coming through, so they may not, you know. But your regulars will usually stand up for you. you well, you told you you mentioned it before that uh, the dealers sometimes will not. Uh, single out a particular player if they're a pretty good uh, tipper in general. This is not the case here. It's the opposite, obviously. But uh, you are constantly trying to bring in business to your room and everything. And and uh, I, I'm sure you have to think twice if you're going to toss a guy or to ban them from the room because you do need the business. And things are tough now. Yeah, but trust me, Dave, and you can speak. As a matter of fact, Remember this question so you can ask Ralph when he comes on the show, okay? Um, I can guarantee you nine out of ten of those people are your troublemakers, whether it's with the tipping, uh, you know, cursing at the table, blaming the dealers because, the, you know, their opponent hit a one-outer. In general, these are people you don't want in your room. As a matter of fact, you're trying to bend over backwards to get them out of your room because they keep other people out of your room. Right. You know, people go there to have a good time. You know, I've, I've always said that the gauge to poker, successful poker rooms are the amount of women that feel comfortable going and playing there. And I, I don't want to say that's, you know, the only reason, but I would say 98% of men, you know, I, I, when I go to gamble, I'm not there to get into a fight or an argument with, uh, with a player or an employee for that matter. You know, and some employees do get, you know, uh, combative. And um, even though the people are acting like jerks to them, 
I tell them as soon as you engage them, you just you became just as guilty as they did. Right. And uh, some new dealers and you know some stubborn head dealers just don't want to see it that way. And this is not a regular job, you know. Um, so you got to let your supervisors and, and and management handle it. Now I've seen it where I've been at a table, Dave. I've tried to help the dealer, and at least at the time that they called over the supervisor, they got absolutely no support from management, which I thought was, you know, horrendous. And I went up to that person once, and I said, you know, that person was doing this, and I don't know what his problem was, but, uh, you know, we definitely had different views as to how you run a room. So I realized I wouldn't be able to make any headway to protect this particular dealer, to, you know, put forward their side. And um, unfortunately, you get that in a lot of rooms, Dave. I mean, when I first broke into this place, uh, dealers were uh, nothing short of being abused by management. The way they were spoken to, the way they were treated, um, you know, I don't know why HR wasn't a big thing like it is nowadays for some of the rooms I was involved in down here. And, uh, you know, you couldn't question anything, you couldn't do anything. And, you know, these are stories that I pass on to the new dealers on, on how easy. The little complaints that they have today make experienced dealers laugh their ass off because you're going, oh, my God, I wish this was the biggest problem I had when I broke in. So. Right, right. Well, the other thing I wanted to mention along these lines, uh, we talked a little bit about it before the show, and I did not realize that this was the case, and it's really not in most of the country, but in Las Vegas – uh, according to uh, the Nevada Gaming Control Board, they allow uh, poker dealers to play in their own room, whether on or off the clock. That was the most shocking thing to me, but you can understand it if a guy gets done with a shift and he's been uh, watching people play stupid poker all day and he's said, I can do better than that, change out of his uniform, go in and sit at the table, then I can understand that. But they actually said if you're on the clock sometimes, you can play. You can't play when you're on the clock in uniform, and you can't drink alcohol when you're on the clock. But you are allowed to play at your own room, which is pretty pretty interesting. And you said uh, sometimes the dealers are the worst uh, customers as far as players go. <laughs> Tell us a story that, you, that you've been through. Well, what happened is, and in Vegas, I don't know, I know this was true in the 70s and 80s that you could actually be on a break. Like you're, you're, you're on your, if you were a craps dealer, blackjack dealer, and you were on a break in your 20-minute break, you could have gone up to any blackjack table, any other table, and pulled out cash and played. And, you know, there's a famous story of a dealer losing over $50,000 in a 20-minute 20, 20 push that I was told when I was going to dealer school. Uh, all my instructors were uh, people from Vegas. Um, but... Getting back to the poker story, Dave, um, my first trip ever to Vegas was in 94. I was staying at the MGM when it was the biggest casino in the world at that time. And, you know, after we got in and got comfortable, I went to the poker room and I sat there. And, you know, you, you when you start playing with the chips and, you know, cutting them and shuffling them and, and stuff, you know, other employees usually go, oh, are you in the business? Are you a dealer? You know, blah, blah, blah. And sure enough, I got that question after about 10 minutes of being at the table. And so you understand this, Dave. We were in the quarter 50 cent days, $10 pot limit. I don't know right. if you remember those yes, days. Yes, I do. Okay? I do. I so, you know, that was joke I poker. Them. That was joke poker. You know, I, I, I used to, you know... Um, I can't say on the air what I used to call it, but, um, you know, it was it was for fun, strictly. But dealers made some really money, and I was working at the Seminole Classic back then. And they were raking to the actual quarter in Vegas. That's why you didn't see many rooms back then. Um, they hated it. And they were competing for little bits of money, and they were literally raking to the quarter. Down here, you rake to the dollar. So over there, they cut the rake from five to three. So if the, if it was uh, 5% or 10%, I don't remember, but you would rake to the 25 cents. And instead of having 25 cent chips, they literally had rolls of quarters in the tray that right. they would put into the pot. Okay. So I'm sitting there doing this 
And one guy goes, "Oh, you're in the business." Dealer kind of saw it and noticed it. And I go, "Yeah, I'm, you know, I'm, play, I'm a supervisor down in Florida." And the guy goes, "Oh, that's where that joke poker is." The guy goes to me, he goes, "The pots can't exceed ten dollars." I was told, and the bets are twenty-five cents, fifty cents. I go, "Yes, they are." And I go, "But surprisingly, we have a uh, thirty-six table room that's you know filled nineteen out of twenty-four hours a day." So the dealer goes, oh, those poor dealers must not make any effing money. And I go, well, you'd be surprised because I was, I told him we had six pits of six tables. One pit was dedicated to hold them and the other pits were seven-card stud, which was the game of choice back then. And I said, the seven-card stud player, uh, dealers are, are averaging between 80 and $110 in tips and the ones on the, on the hold'em side are doing about one, 150 to 180 you know, on average. Dave, it's this guy started to tremble. He had the deck in his hand. He goes, "What? This is effing crazy! I work here and I'm dealing in a freaking one-two no limit game, and I can't effing make more than twenty, thirty dollars." These guys are playing. This, this is a rant that this guy went off on, and I mean, he had literally had tears coming down his face. I thought this guy was going to have a stroke on the table. <laughs> he goes, and these effing morons here. I mean, he just cursed out the players, the staff, the hotel, and somebody had to come over. And he goes, no, this is an effing joke. And I'm like, oh, my God, what the hell did I start here? So he got, re- he got pushed about two minutes later. His manager just, you know, relax, take it easy, all right? So when he came back from his from his break, instead of doing his next push, the guy asked him, you want to go home? He said, no, I'm going to play. He literally left the room, I guess, to punch out, came back, was in his dealing clothes, took off his badge, and literally took the seat to my left. Mm-hmm. So, so this guy went from having a rant and rage, insulting the players. I mean, it was so funny because the dealer that came in right after him, Dave, I went a pot for like about $180, and I tipped the guy like, you know, four or five dollars. You know, just grabbed four or five one dollar chips. I thought this guy was going to come out of his seat, give me a hug and a kiss. <laughs> you know, and the other players on the table were looking at me like I was an alien. Wow. And you know, so afterwards, did... one of the supervisors came to talk to me, and I said, "Are you staying at the hotel?" Yeah, and they started grilling me about Florida. So. Uh, that, that, that's my story about, uh, you know, my first time ever in a, in a Vegas poker room, the dealer literally sat right to my left. I, I guess you immediately knew one guy you weren't going to hire. Uh, and, uh, <laughs> and I guess and the big question Dave, is, were you, were, you were, you able, were you able to put him on tilt playing next to him? No, I, I, um, like I said, the, uh, the next push that that dealer, I did quite well. So when he sat down next to me, um, I had told the wife I was going to play for about an hour and change because, like I said, it was our first day there, and we were going to go do something. So um, I must have—I don't think I was there for a hold down with him with him playing against me. So, but you know what, Dave? My experience from going around there, and then I—I I used to play in thirty sixty limit game in the Bellagio. Let me tell you something. Um, the, the morons are not just exclusive to South Florida. Yeah. <laughs> okay? They yeah. really aren't. And let me tell you, there's no way in the world I'd be a dealer in Vegas, at least back in those days. You couldn't, you, you couldn't, unless you paid me. You know how they say you couldn't pay me to do that job? Well, yeah, you'd have to pay me 50, 60 bucks an hour, uh, of which these guys will never even come close yeah. to seeing in Vegas. Well, let's, I mean, let's, you're talking pots that were three, four thousand dollars, and they were lucky to get a dollar tip. Yeah, lucky well, to get a dollar tip. Well, let's talk about the double-edged sword that this creates. Uh, you told me that, uh, as far as you knew, there wasn't any other place in the country that allowed that to happen. Let let uh, dealers play in their own room. Right. Vegas is the I, only place, um, but Vegas, of course, is a whole different animal because of the the, the strenuous competition up and down the strip and throughout the town exactly and let me tell you something it was funny because i had a dealer who called me and showed up and i was in shock they go do you want me to take out that dealer um and i immediately looked at him i go you must be from vegas and he goes yeah how'd you know 
and I, because I hadn't even looked at it, I just said that it was a deal of trying to audition him. And this was actually a few months. This was actually shortly after I had taken over the room, maybe December of last year. And he goes, "You want me to take that dealer out?" And the reason I'm telling you this story is because in Vegas, if you're the the manager that I got to go see for a blackjack, craps, poker, whatever job I'm looking for. I go, yeah, hey, Mr. Lemon, yes, my name is Joe Rodriguez. I'm here to apply for such and such a job. Go, really? Okay. See that dealer over there? Go take him out. All right? So the dealer knows you're in street clothes or, you know, maybe just black and whites, but you're not in their uniform. He gets tapped. Obviously, there's going to be a supervisor by there, so the dealer just steps to the side, lets you proceed in as if you're taking him out, um, and they'll stay there in case you make a mistake. And they watch you actually deal two or three, four live hands. The less hands you deal, the better your shit chances are usually, you know, yeah, because right. they know what you're, they see that they know what you're doing. You're not nervous. And um, so your audition is on a live table. Wow. You can't do amazing. that in the state of Florida. Yeah. I never saw anybody do that in Atlantic City. I can't speak for all the other, you know, gambling uh, states, uh, but most of them, from what I understand, have adhered more to like how Atlantic City, I think uh, Vegas, and again, hopefully if one of our listeners is out there, uh, if I'm completely wrong, please let us know. But um, I didn't see it when I was in California either. You know, you have to be licensed to deal to a live game. So whenever you're auditioning in any of these places, you know, you're going to audition to other dealers that the, the manager will sit down just right. so you have uh players to deal to and and run the game you know well let me get back to that double-edged sword because obviously in vegas with that huge competition you know you let your employees play at your room that adds to the uh the drop for the house uh, builds more games gets more tables going employs more dealers uh you know to, to deal these games and these employees, since they are customers and they do play poker, if you tell them they can't play in your room, they're just going to go play somewhere else and your competition gets the benefit. Right. But remember, <laughs> uh, they their dealers will come to you. One of the big things down here is, especially when it started, and it still goes on to this day, you know, on Saturdays when we're running our big promotion, sometimes I'll have five or six dealers from various uh, other poker rooms in our area. Not to mention a couple of supervisors because right. you can't play in your room. Um, to me, I prefer that, Dave, from both sides, from a management side and from being a player, you know, that sits down at the table. Um, I don't know how you would feel, but guess what? If you and somebody else are co-workers and possibly good friends. I don't know if I want to see that person who was dealing, and I know is a dealer in that casino, sitting down next to me with you dealing to him. Yes, right. Or, or any of his other co-workers dealing to him. Yeah, so it can definitely make other players uncomfortable. Uh, you know, and they are going to complain. Some of them are going to complain. Uh, I, in this article, the guy kind of wipes it off by saying that, uh, you know, most of those people that are complainers like that are complaining about everything and they're always just looking uh, for a scapegoat for their losses. Which is what I mentioned at the beginning of our conversation with the right. people complaining about the tips. You know, and you asked me, oh, you know, you shouldn't. Those people, you, you can't get them out of your room quick enough because they just upset other players. So you're, you're, it's addition by subtraction. And like I said, you talked about a double-edged sword. Here's, here's another problem I'm sure you didn't even think about when you have a dealer sitting there, okay? What happens if a decision has to be made? Right. And it's you and a, and a co-worker and the supervisor has to go there. You know, he's, he's put in an absolutely no-win situation. Absolutely. You know, either, either he's got a rule against the employee so it doesn't look like he's favoring them which then is not fair to, to you as a player, even though you're an employee there, or he favor, or, or he makes a decision in that employees. And in my mind is, oh, you know, these, these guys are friends and I had no shot. You understand? So as a supervisor, you're almost put in a no-win situation uh, when you have to make a decision when a mistake has been made at the table between a dealer that actually was working for you maybe half hour, an hour ago, and a, and a and a customer, you know, 
And and if you're a tourist, you'll probably never play there again. And if, right. and if you're a regular, you're going to find another room to go to. Right. So um, I don't know how prevalent it is over there for that. I think the reason behind Vegas doing this was more because it doesn't matter in blackjack or in craps or in roulette. You're playing the house. You're not yeah. playing other players. There, there's there's no there. house edge for the for the for exactly. The, you're, poker, you're, so. it, you're not doing anything that's going to affect another player per se. But you know, but you know, you, you know how players are always apt to uh, say, "Well, this game's not on the up and up because I lost a couple of hands in a row," and they're liable to say, "Well, this dealer is feeding this guy who's in, a fellow employee that's uh, playing on his off time." Exactly, and I'm, I'll give you a better example than that, Dave. Back in my days when I used to have, you know, when I was dealing in private games and making a very good living doing that, okay. Um, one of the games that I was dealing in that I made great money in for a couple of years. Um, if you don't refresh it, it's not. It's it's true in private games, and it's ex- extremely true in regular games. If you don't keep cultivating new players, you know your room is going to go down. Right. All right, because just natural progression of the better players, the tips, the house rake, and the jackpot money. You know the the. The, the money pool just starts going less and less and less. So if fresh money, you always hear that expression, if fresh money doesn't come in, you know, your room, your, your amount of tables and everything. So um, the house guy asked me and another dealer that I had brought in, because uh, in those games we would deal for an hour on, the other guy would deal for an hour, and we all did very, very good. Everybody who dealt in all the different private games down here in South Florida did very, very good, okay? But I was asked, hey, help me out. I need you for a couple of weeks because some people were leaving for the WSOP on vacation. So he asked me and the other dealer to play in the game for the hour that we weren't dealing. Right. And guess what? As the guy that I brought in was an excellent poker player, so we decided to pool our tips, winnings, and losses at the table. Okay. And here's the problem. It, you, you beat some of your because you know, we were decent, very decent poker players, and for the most part we had good runs. But think about it, Dave. You're, I'm dealing to you now, you know, for an hour. Next hour I sit down and I beat you out of one or two big pots. How how tempted are you to tip me when I go back in an hour later? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I hated that aspect of it because our tips definitely went down. Yeah, You know, the average that we were averaging, I would say, dropped by a good 30, and on some nights, even close to 50%. Now, the flip side of that was on those nights that it was 50%, we we, we ran very well at the table. Well, I can understand the bottom line for the room. Everybody's in competition, and the more players they have, the more uh, games are going to end up being offered. And, uh, you know, it's important for them. And this article, uh, which was written by Michael Hamai, uh, known as uh, Las Vegas Michael, uh, he closes out the story by saying, uh, with so many poker rooms desperate for players, banning employees from playing, it's not only bad customer service, it's bad for business. And thankfully, the Nevada Gaming Control Board understands this and allows employees to play where they work. So um, there's a good I argument to be made for it. Be- Dave, I can't honestly believe that it would make that big of a difference in the in rooms. Okay. To be honest with you, the times I've been there, uh, you know, I don't know if he's speaking about specific rooms that I haven't been in, but I, I can't believe that not allowing your dealers to play in your game is going to affect your room that big. You know, in California, I don't know if they still do this, but Cal- Florida bars it. Shills and um, house players, have you, you know about that? Yeah. You know, so um, there are, you know, in Vegas, I'm, I don't know about Vegas, but I know that in California, and I know that some rooms in Vegas used to, I don't know if they still do, paid you to play poker. Right. Okay? But you had to use your own money. Um, I can't recall off the top of my head now uh, what the pay was. It'd be, it'd be, I think it was a flat rate for a six- or eight-hour shift. Okay? And the only thing was you had to move like so you were you were the person who had to move to get a table started that was shorthanded you understand you couldn't argue if you were on a great table making money you couldn't do that 
Now, people are saying, oh, yeah, those games, get those games started. Um, and as I was told by some dealers when first few trips to Vegas, they had a bunch of them in the room. You could almost pick them out, Dave, because these right, guys right. literally played so tight. You know, you you need a greased BB to, to get something up their butt. You know, that's how tight they were playing, okay? Yeah, right. and, uh, and so there was no action to the game. And if there's absolutely no action to a game, you might as well not have one. So, like I said, poker is a very unique uh, gambling game. It's not like blackjack or any of the other house games. You know, you're actually playing the other players. So if they're so tight that it becomes boring, for most of them it's boring. And then what happens is as a player, which is what these people are so disciplined at waiting for, they figure you're going to get frustrated. If you don't get up, you're going to push the action and the only time you're going to get any action from them is when they have premier hands. Yeah. You know, premium uh, hands. So. A, a, a greased BB, huh? I uh, never a heard that one BB before. I've heard, up, the, I've heard the one. Of, five feet. You couldn't heard, get that thing up, to, up their butts because, because they're playing so damn tight. I've heard so. the one about the needle and the sledgehammer, but uh, hey. <laughs> anyway. That one I haven't heard, but go as, ahead. As we head for our first break here. Uh, just to close out on dealers, uh, right now we were talking about this before the show. There's just an incredible demand for dealers everywhere in the country. Uh, you know, there's places uh, training people right and left, trying to get people to do it. And whether it's because there's so much money being paid out in unemployment benefits, which at a lot of places will end soon, uh, it's tough to find people in any uh, type of business. But there's an incredible dearth of of uh, of uh, poker dealers at this point. Well, and remember, Dave, everybody's opening up now. So some dealers found other jobs because their rooms wouldn't open up. You know, the magazine that you wrote for, you know, and I don't know if you're still writing for them. Well, they haven't uh, published since. They haven't you know, published, right? But I do get an email about the rooms that are open, and we've discussed this over the last many months, last year. Some rooms, some states were still down while others opened up almost fully. And, um, you know, Texas has become a, a big player in the poker world. Okay, and they've opened up a lot of, quote, poker social clubs. I don't know how they're getting away with it, but they are. They've stolen a lot of dealers from a lot of places. And even with that, on the uh, that poker dealer's uh, Facebook uh, page, right. uh, the other day, they were somebody was advertising for rooms up in Dallas. So everybody, Dave, best bet here in Florida, finally, I guess, couldn't get enough dealers. They have 70-table room, and... They said, well, you know, if we can't get them to, you know, get people to come down here. And I believe most of the schools closed down during the pandemic. I don't know if any right, of them are yeah. open. Absolutely. You understand? So there's, there isn't anybody making more deals out there, you know. Um, break-ins always had trouble getting into casinos. Now the casinos would take them with open arms. So best bet, uh, there was a casino in Ohio. Same thing. I read that they were looking uh, to train dealers, and I, I forgive me that I don't remember the name of the casino now. I could probably get it on the break up in Washington. Uh, South Dakota was looking for dealers to deal a big tournament. You know, you, you used to have a thriving business as travel, you know, the, the tournament dealers that traveled, that made money, they, you know, single, mostly single men and women that just, hey, let me see this, you know, the, the countryside and uh, would just travel from tournament to tournament. When did you ever hear of the WSOP guaranteeing, you know, a certain amount of money for downs? It was what it was. But now you've got to convince people to go out there. And it's ridiculous. I, I mean, I've never seen this in, in, in all my 30 years of, of dealing where there's been this much of a shortage. And I thought it was here because I figured, hey, so many, I know so many of the dealers that left to go to Texas. No, now as you start reading on those places, it's the whole country. It's the whole country. Whether that changes, as you just said, because, you know, the federal money is going to dry up uh, or, you know, it's going to be very interesting. And I think until we start getting schools open uh, by, you know, people who want to run the school like Stacy. I know Stacy's uh, teaching from home, okay? Right. And there's no other school here that I know of. All the ones that were here all closed up, including the guy that ran the poker room before I did. He, he, 
He bought it from a dealer that had uh, I had trained and had been running it for years and had to close it during the pandemic. So uh, very interesting. And let me tell you, a great paying job for, in most places now. The dealers in Texas are making unbelievable money. Um, we've discussed how much dealers make down here in South Florida, and I believe they come close to that throughout the whole state of Florida. So. Right. Uh, it's a great job, guys, for anybody listening to the show out there who's, <laughs> who's thinking about it. Find a place, and if they're willing to train you for free, uh, it's the next best thing to what we did back in 97 where I actually paid people to learn to become dealers. Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> Let's take a break here on the program. When we come back, uh, we'll get to the uh, World Series of Poker schedule, which is uh, kind of the big news of the week, but also we want to run down some of the big winners over the last week. A lot of big tournaments coming locally and nationally, uh, even worldwide. The U.S. Poker Open, a uh, huge uh, high roller tournament with 12 big events. A player who's been on this show won three of them. We'll get to that when we return. You're listening to Poker Action Line. And we hope you'll stick around for the entire show. Big Dave Lemon and Joe Rodriguez coming to you from South Florida. And we'll be back after these messages on the program. This is Poker Action Line. Hi, this is Big Dave from PokerActionLineRadio.com. I want to let all avid poker players know about a great new lottery game that was developed by one of our sponsors, Atlantic West Management Group. This game is now available worldwide on the Internet and will be served as Place Your Chips Caribbean and operated on the Internet as an international lottery by Atlantic West. The Texas Hold'em poker-like game is perfectly legal everywhere and presented as a lottery game with tickets available on the Internet. You can win pick six lottery tickets and cash prizes by using your poker playing skills. It's open to lottery players worldwide, and right now this game is in a play-for-free test mode, and you are not obligated to purchase anything. You can get 50,000 free play chips per ticket for the purpose of evaluating the game with no prizes awarded until the game goes live. The lottery customer can purchase a ticket with a unique number that will grant them entry into one of many Texas Hold'em poker tables with a chip stack and like a lottery game, the prize value will be based on ticket sales. That chip stack will be valid for the remainder of the week as players can access the site as often as they like to try and take the chip lead. At the end of the week, the highest chip stacks will be awarded lottery prizes, and if you lose all your chips, the lottery ticket becomes null and void. As with regular lottery games, you can purchase as many entries as you like. However, each ticket stands on its own merit, and much like the regular lottery, the results of multiple tickets cannot be combined toward a prize. The name of this game is Place Your Chips Caribbean, and you can access a live demonstration of the game right now at www.placeyourchipscaribbean.com. We believe that when it goes live soon, there will be a heavy demand for this game, as most lottery players would much rather have some say in the outcome of their lottery result. Their odds of winning are greatly improved if they're able to utilize their playing skills in order to increase their chances of winning. I hope that you will try the Play for Free demonstration and hope that you will join us when the Play for Real game becomes available later this year. From the vantage point, Mafatu saw six war canoes drawn upon the beach, but what held the boy's eyes in awful trance were the figures springing and leaping about the flames, darting, shifting, bounding toward the sky, the eaters of men. Cannibals. Firelight glistened on the royal bodies, on flashing spears and bristling decorations. Mafatu watched the strange scene, powerless to move, and he felt doom itself breathing chill upon his neck. In that very instant, he heard a crashing in the undergrowth. Four figures were tearing toward him through the jungle. He could see them now. He turned and ran blindly down the trail, slipping, sliding, stumbling, his breath all but choking in his throat. Only one thought gave him courage as he ran, his canoe ready and waiting. If only he could reach it before the savages overtook him. Explore new worlds. Find out what happens next by reading the book Call It Courage by Armstrong Sperry. For other great book ideas, visit literacy.gov. A message from the Library of Congress and the Ad Council. Welcome back to the show. Big Dave Lemon, Joe Rodriguez here on Poker Action Line. And uh, I teased it as heading into the break, a player who's been a guest in this program. And actually, Joe, uh, I don't know if you remember back this far, but in the beginning uh, of our run uh, 11 years ago, uh, we had Randy Casper on on a weekly basis. Randy was a poker agent for a company called Poker Players International. And I can remember him talking about this player. It was one of his uh, newest clients. And he said, this guy is going to be a great player. And his name is David Peters. 
Peters uh, has many great titles to his credit. There's no doubt about that. I think he comes from Ohio, if I'm not mistaken. And he won three of the first 11 events. There's 12 total. Right now they're playing number 12. But at the U.S. Poker Open, and these are all buy-ins of 10,000 or up. Uh, right now they're playing. And this is where at again, Dave? They're playing uh, out at the Poker Go Studios in Las Vegas. But it's, uh, oh, wow. it's the one where if you win a title, you get the purple jacket. So uh, I don't know if you remember that. But yes. he, won, he won three titles. His latest one uh, was... Uh, a payday for four hundred sixty-five thousand and a twenty-five thousand dollar buy-in event, and he picks up the win in that one. Uh, it was a regular hold'em event. Earlier, he won a ten thousand dollar no limit hold'em event and a ten thousand dollar short deck holder. Uh, so three three victories in this tournament for David Peters and uh, put up some nice numbers. Uh, the five the eleventh uh, event uh, was. Uh, Peter's win over Ian Zufich, uh, Dan Shack, and also Vanessa Cade, uh, who I've been following on Twitter. She finished fifth, uh, her big, one of her biggest live scores ever. So uh, interesting to see how well he's doing. But uh, earlier in the uh, in the short deck event, he defeated uh, uh, Ali Imsarovich, Kerry Katz, and Thomas Kaiser. So uh, you got to give him a lot of credit for that. These are the best players in the world. Not a tremendously huge tournament, you know. I think... Uh, I think in the short deck, there was a total of, uh, uh, let's see, 67 players or something like, oh, no, 27 players. So that was a smaller one, but I think it was more in the event he just won, uh, 68 players, I believe it was. So, uh, you know, you got to give him a tremendous amount of credit for beating this, uh, this uh, quality fields of these players. Yeah, I mean, and hopefully he's been putting up that whole buy-in by himself. And uh, but, you well, know, I'm sure he is by now. Yeah, you know, but because those 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 are very hefty buy-ins. So uh, a lot of those players, I'm sure, have uh, have backers. But uh, congratulations to him. Winning three of them is doesn't matter. You're probably facing, you know, the cream of the crop for for the most part in those tournaments. So Absolutely. congratulations to him. Uh, one of the other and, tournaments we talked about was uh, the Tampa event, uh, Seminole Hard Rock Tampa, having a big series. Uh, and they are, uh, I don't know, I guess about halfway into it. Uh, AJ Kelsall, we also had on the show, he just won the uh, PLO tournament. He said that's not his favorite event, but he got knocked out in 14th place in the previous tournament, jumped into the $600 Pot Limit Omaha tournament, and won that for 56K. Uh, also, the seniors tournament just completed, won by Michael Collins. Uh, of Largo, Florida, which is my uh, place of birth, or not place of birth, but where I grew up. And uh, so the, the events are uh, moving fast and furious over there in Tampa, and the, and the turnouts have been great. Yeah. 318 uh, in the seniors. No, they, I mean, they're having, you know, they're just kicking ass. <laughs> Whether it's down here, up in Tampa, it doesn't matter. The Hard Rock is just doing everything correctly in, this, in the poker world right now. The other tournament we've been talking about uh, was the uh, Palm Beach uh, Summer Poker Classic at the Palm Beach Kennel Club. And uh, if you get a chance, I know you don't watch a lot of poker on TV. They actually have a uh, on the uh, the cardplayer.com story, they have a link to their uh, Twitch feed. And uh, a fellow named Mike Jameson did the call, but his uh, co-host was Noah Carbone. So uh, you can pick up uh, those guys uh, calling poker in that event and uh, Maurice Hawkins was the winner for 55k uh, and uh, finishing second Stephen McCoy which is kind of interesting uh, not to be racist but both players are black and you don't see a lot of really successful black players in poker yet there are a few but these guys finished one two in this tournament Scott Baumstein who's a big player in South Florida finished in third in this one so uh, very interesting tournament the final day started with 20 players Hawkins had the chip lead and he's a pretty good front runner, and he hangs on for the win there. 233 players in this tournament, the $1,100 buy-in event, championship event at PBKC. Well, congratulations to Maurice. As we know down here in South Florida, and I'm sure a lot of people around the country, he is a tremendous tournament player. Uh, is he still the ringleader in the WSOP circuit event? Uh, it goes back and forth. I think he had the lead for a while, and then someone passed him, and I think he took it back, or he's at least tied for uh, that. Let me see. Uh, 14 uh, gold gold uh, rings from the circuit in his career. 
Yeah, he's he's an outstanding player. Knows how to get on the people's skin. Yeah. I haven't had the pleasure of playing against him, but my cousin has, and he says he's quite a character, as we yeah. know. And and he was quite entertaining when we've had him on the show. Yeah, absolutely. But I, I just want to mention real quick when you asked me if I knew who Randy Casper is, uh, for our listeners. No, I, I, there, I didn't think you. I knew you knew who Casper was. Wait, I'm but not I, sure I if I want you to tell him because. Over the years, you know, I've missed uh, because of other obligations. I've Dave has done many shows without me, but I've only done one without him. And and my co-host that day was Randy Cass. That's right. That's right. I remember that. Well, I knew you knew who he was. I was not sure if you knew that uh, David Peters was one of his first. That's clients. who I didn't remember. So. Uh, so some of the other winners of that uh, U.S. Poker Open event uh, out there, Elia Lesra. Uh, it was a victor out there in the tournament. He won the uh, eight-game high roller event. And uh, he defeated, let's see, who he knocked off in the end. It was uh, Steve Zolotow and Daniel Negreanu went to that late Yeah, we haven't table. heard Eli's name in a while, so. Uh, also, Jared Blesnick was a winner for the $10,000 PLO event. Uh, he defeated Max Coleman. And Ali Imsarovich was fourth in that event. David Peters finished eighth in that one. And uh, lots of lots of big winners. We talked about some of the other ones last week. Uh, Joe McKeon won an event. And uh, it's been a tremendous field. And right now they are playing the $25,000 tournament and finishing that up. So uh, we'll see what happens in that one. But uh, uh, they are playing along and they're down to the final six in that one. Very good, very good. Well, congratulations to those players. Uh, the other news that came out, I just want to mention, which I thought you would get a kick out of, uh, Phil Ivey is, aims to play in this year's WSOP later this summer. Oh. Has he settled up his... <laughs> Who knows? I wonder if he settled up his... Uh, his uh... Financial commitment or financial judgment, I should say. To Crockford's to, uh, and who else? MGM or a couple Borgata. of Borgata, right? Anyway, he's planning on playing, so uh, he's doing a few podcasts uh, as a guest. He's on uh, Joey Ingram's show and a couple other ones, so he will be playing this summer. Uh, so uh, we'll look forward to having Phil back. Also, uh, Phil Helmuth and Daniel Negreanu set to play next week for their third and possibly final match. Who knows uh, if Negreanu can win. Maybe they'll play a few more times. But uh, Phil won, of course, the first two with a big comeback in uh, event one and then winning the one last week. But June 23rd is uh, match number three of their head-to-head battle. We'll look forward to uh, following that one and giving you the results of that one. And uh, just to mention that, I, I, I couldn't find it real quickly, but the uh, the event 12, the $50,000 buy-in out of the U.S. Poker Open, chip leader is Sean Winter, Jonathan Little is third currently, Bill Klein second, uh, and then Stephen Chidwick, Jason Kuhn, Sam Soverell rounding out the final table. So that one was well, interesting set table. That is uh, being played today, uh, in fact, just about to get underway at uh, 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 7 p.m., or actually, I guess it would be 1 p.m. Pacific Time. So um, that is on the PokerGo app if you have that in your possession. Uh, What do you think about the Talking about tournaments, Dave, if you don't mind me giving me a a minute or two here, but an old, (laughs) a former and old friend uh, and and my assistant uh, poker room manager in Houston, uh, talking about how big poker's getting over there, um, came in third in, in a $1,100 buy-in that generated a $1.5 million prize pool and took third place, even though he had a huge chip lead over everybody at the final table, but still took down 112000 And this is the first place I, get, I believe got 292 And I don't remember even hearing about a tournament going on in Houston. Yeah, it must be one of those clubs, huh? Exactly, but look at look look at the prize pool it generated with an eleven hundred dollar eleven hundred dollar buy in for a one point five million dollar pool. You need fifteen hundred people. I don't know how many you know day one flights they had, but regardless, that's impressive. Yeah, that's very impressive. Uh, and congratulations to a good friend of yours that I know we worked with for a long time. Uh, are you surprised that he uh, did that well in the event? Was he a really good no, player? No, I mean, or? I haven't seen Benny in many years, and uh, we, unfortunately we drifted apart. 
but he was always an excellent poker player. Um, you know, he 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 and I were involved in the craziest poker hand that I've ever played in. And I don't know if I mentioned it to you, but before No Limit became big, they started running a pretty big Pot Limit Hold'em game. And he felt more comfortable with me playing it. And this game was visited by a couple of young people that had a lot of money. I'll let you figure out how they might have made that kind of money. (laughs) And uh, we're very loose with it. And he goes, why don't you come and join me? And, uh, well, we bought in for 500 I had built up that stack to about $3,400 when this young man, that would, one of them that I was talking about, came in and he was everything that was advertised. You know, he was a braggart, you know, played a super aggressive, insulted people. Um, so he sat to my left, Big Dave, and we got into a hand where I had pocket queens. The house guy was under the gun, raised the minimum, and you know, and... By the time it got to him, I was ready to raise because three other people had called, but I see him reaching for a lot of chips. So I said, what the hell? I go, this, I'm not going to achieve anything by raising. Let him do it. I'm going to have to hit the hand. And sure enough, it got out to about $300 and change for six of us to see the pot. Dave, the pot came queen, deuce, three, rainbow. And I had pocket queens. <laughs> okay. So you're, you're looking house, good. House guy comes out and bets the pot six uh well i'm sorry he bets 700 and change because he had about 15 1600 in front of him one of the three players between me and him calls it i just call because i see this guy reaching for all his chips and he goes i'm going to raise it to this amount the house guy goes all in with whatever he had left and this other guy after 700 said i think i'm losing this hand and he folds and I just looked, I had maybe another 400 left. I go, I might as well go all in with the 400 because I'm not going to fold now. And he, you know, automatically calls and he goes, I don't give a shit. He goes, I think you're cheat. you're lying, you know, you're, you're bluffing. You're bluffing. He, he turned over a 10 jack off suit. The house guy, I put him on, on ace queen and that's exactly what he had. So with two cards to come, I'm figuring as long as it isn't two aces or a four and a five, I don't think I can lose this hand. Well, as soon as the nine hit on the turn, I said, oh, my God, this guy's got an open-ended straight. And sure enough, the king came, the king came on the river. Wow. And I lost like a nine ten thousand $10,000 pot hand wow. with, uh, with, Benny, with Benny, who's the guy we were just talking about for the tournament. <laughs> so crazy stuff happens in poker, folks. It certainly does. Uh, let's finish things out with the World Series of Poker uh, schedule, which came out today uh, or in the last day or so, I guess you would say. Uh, it starts on September the 30th, which is a Thursday, and it starts, of course, as usual, with the Casino Employees Tournament, $500 buy-in. And then later that day, uh, things really get going with the $25,000 horse event. Uh, there's also uh, a, a charity event for COVID-19 relief on that first day, so it kicks off to a very big start. There's also a tournament called the Reunion. Uh, there's uh, several $10,000 tournament championship type tournaments, which have become the norm now. And uh, those get underway. The first one is, uh, uh, let's see, the first one is October the 4th, uh, Omaha High Low, Eight or Better. It's also a limit hold'em on October the 7th, the ladies tournament on the 11th, the $10,000 horse championship on October the 20th, and the $50,000 Poker Players Championship is back, which is an eight-game mix. That is on October the 31st. Uh, the Heads Up Tournament is now a $25,000 buy-in. It used to be $10,000. Now it's $25,000 and kicks off on October the 5th with the limit of 64 players. There will be a Millionaire Maker $1,500 buy-in on October the 8th. A Monster Stack event $1,500 buy-in on October the 15th. And the uh, $888 Crazy Eights tournament is back eight-handed on November the 11th. Uh, the main event kicks off on November the 4th. 88 um, bracelets uh, on the line. And, of course, the it will be televised. Uh, a lot of the stuff will be televised on CBS Sports Network. Uh, don't confuse that with your local CBS Network affiliate, uh, Channel 4 down here in South Florida. But the show's uh, being moved from ESPN to CBS Sports Network. So, you know, I'm sure they're going to be uh, having a lot of good coverage uh, because they'll, they'll want to impress all the people getting that schedule. 
Right, and uh, something that you and I discussed before we went on air, um, they're going to a four-day main event opening flight. Correct. Uh, November 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th, uh, four days, and then they'll come back. I think A and B uh, survivors will play uh, one day and C and D in the next. Exactly, and I, I know you said you didn't quite remember it because – they had, a, you know, when these numbers started going crazy, they were doing four days back then. Right, right. And uh, then they, they brought it down to three days. But, uh, you know, I guess they're trying to get as many people as they can into into this tournament. So uh, well, was, I'm just happy that it's back, you know. Yeah. Just so happy well, that it's back. And I didn't hear you mention, uh, I believe it was the last time they had it. Didn't they do, wasn't that their 50th year or something? Um, yeah, yeah. The and they did 50. that big thing that one of our local guys down here uh, al gomez did real well yeah. went very deep in that tournament yeah i don't let me see if i see that on here that was a, what was that like a 500 dollars yeah, buy-in or something? something like that but it went several weekends as i remember uh let's see big 50 i don't see that at all on here so uh maybe they'll add that later on but i don't see that on the original schedule all right well listen i you and I are both very happy, as I'm sure the rest of the poker community is, that uh, that, that the granddaddy is back. <laughs> For those of you in our age bracket, the seniors event is uh, two days entry fee, two days of entries this year, uh, two opening sessions uh, on October 27th and 28th. Thousand dollar buy-in for that one, and there will be a Colossus, uh, which is. Uh, Let's see. One, two, three. I guess no, just two. Just two entries, uh, two uh, days of entries there. And they've dropped the price to that to $400. So uh, that was Wasn't that one. the one that once got over 20,000 entries? Exactly. 22,000 and some, as there I remember. Uh, the Super Seniors, for those really in our age bracket. Uh, <laughs> what are you trying to say, Dave? The world? <laughs> <laughs> it starts on Halloween. There's no trick-or-treating for candy because they're at the poker table. Super Seniors, 10 a.m. start on October the 31st, $1,000 buy-in. Poker Players Championship, I mentioned, six-handed, uh, will be $50,000 buy-in on also on October the 31st. There's several charity-type events, including the little one-for-one one drop this year, $1,111 buy-in with opening days on November 8th, 9th, and 10th. And uh, I think when you get toward the end there, a lot of things are doubling up uh, during the um, the main event. So uh, there'll even be a couple after the main event is over. But Yeah, that started just a few years ago, too, because you know, it used to end with the main event. Right, so, exactly. And, so, uh, and, and are, are there competitors like uh, the Aria and... Uh, the Venetian having their tournaments like they used to do? Well, the two big ones that I they talked about in a couple articles were the win, and uh, that's uh, that's already started. That started on May 27th. They'll play through July 10th, the Win Summer Classic, with a uh, huge tournament as their uh, main event called the Win Millions, which is a $10,000 buy-in event and a $10 million guarantee. So uh, that's obviously huge. Uh, the Venetian also has their Deep Stack Championship Series. That already started on May the 3rd, so that's been cranked up for about a month and maybe a month and a half nearly. And that will play through August the 1st. And they will have a WPT event uh, during that, a $5,000 uh, WPT Deep Stacks event. And then the other one that you uh, mentioned last week, one of the first times on the show, was the Orleans has a big po summer poker series, which is... Kind of a fun off-the-strip room that uh, a lot of uh, recreational-type players. That goes from June the 11th through July the 22nd. There you go. Uh, I'm just curious whether, because remember for years, the schedule was always last weekend or last week of May all the way into the middle of July. And, you know, we've had some of our great guests, great poker players that would also make plans to be there at a certain time to play in the ARIA tournaments that would be played during the same time that the WSOP, so... Right. Curious whether they're going to schedule something for that now that they know the, all the dates. Yeah, exactly. Well, there'll be a lot of talk and a lot of reaction over the next few days, and we'll bring that to you next week. Uh, just wanted to mention WPT has a Heads Up Poker Championship uh, getting underway in just a couple of days. Uh, we've seen all the stuff about uh, Polk and Negranu and Helmuth and Negranu. 
Well, the, one of the opening matches uh, in the draw just came out. 64 players will be Doug Polk against Tom Dwan. Oh, wow. We haven't heard that name in a while. I haven't heard that name in a while. We haven't. We haven't. Uh, but there should be some pretty good matches. Uh, Stephen Chidwick is opens against Andrew Lichtenberger. And uh, Phil Ivey opens against Manig Loser in the first round battles. And they got a lot of guys that are not professional poker players in this event, uh, including uh, uh, an esports streamer known as Hafu Wang. He plays World of Warcraft and a few other games. Uh, also, a chess master, Alexandra Botez, is in the tournament. Shippator uh, uh, Lee is uh, a League of Legends player. Uh, I don't know any of these video games, but I have heard of them. And also the pop star singer uh, Gact Oshiro will battle against Patrick Antonios in the opening round. So it should be an interesting one. Gets underway in a couple of days here. And uh, it is being streamed on Poker King, which is a new uh, app in the next couple of days. Well, listen, I'm just glad to hear all these great names back playing poker and even though I'm not a big TV watcher of these things, uh, it is exciting to hear these names coming back. And it seems like the uh, poker community and the poker world is is trying to get get up and running like it was before the pandemic. So exactly, uh, Poker King. If you're not familiar with that, uh, you can check that out. But they will also uh, Twitch will be carrying uh, some of these matches and the World Poker Tour YouTube channel also. So each match is a best of three format until the final, which is best of five. So looking forward to that uh, coming up. It starts on June the 18th. So that's going to do it for the show. Uh, Joe, thanks for everything. Uh, interesting discussions tonight. Uh, don't go to work tomorrow. And then when you get off, play at one of your tables. So you're not allowed. To <laughs> no, I like my job. I think I want to keep it. Exactly. Still there. Exactly. Thanks, uh, Joe Costello, for all your hard work as usual. And we'll look forward to bringing you another show next week. Poker Action Line. Check out the website at pokeractionline.com for past shows or current shows on uh, uh, Spotify and all the places you get your poker uh, podcast, SoundCloud. And uh, you can also check it out on the Hold'em Radio Network. We'll see you next week on another edition of the show poker action line coming to you every week from south florida the views and opinions of the hosts guests or callers are not necessarily those of the station its owners advertisers or agencies 